yo, 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 yo. Welcome to episode number 88 of the Basketball Card Podcast brought to you by PWCC. PWCC has 9,153 auctions ending Sunday, including 1,700 plus basketball lots. A 97 Platinum MJ out of 100, currently at 7,500 bucks. A 1933 Ed Walker Sports Kings, one of the oldest basketball cards in existence, and a PSA 7, currently at 46 bucks. A Paul Pierce Rubies out of 25, short printed that year. Uh, rookie out of, uh, out of, again, out of 25 at just over a grand. All of these and many more, and this Sunday at the PWCC Weekly Auction. Guys, I hope you're all doing well. I'm Adam, uh, at the real 27 guy on Instagram. If you aren't following me, please do. Um, I, uh, I think I told to talk to you guys about this a few weeks ago. I was displaced out of my normal office because we had a flood. A flood in a house of a card collector can be a scary thing. Don't worry, no cards were affected. Everybody is well. The only thing that is not well is my office door, which has been removed. <laughs> and since it's been removed, there is an outside chance that we will get kids running by today. Uh, I have a, a, a child that recently got what we're calling a scooter. It's like one of these... It's hard to explain. It's like a flat thing that has four wheels on it that you sort of sit on and push your way around on. And they've been very active upstairs today. So if you hear something that sounds like a bowling ball rolling around, you'll know what that was about. Um, hopefully that won't happen. But if it does, at least my kids are happy and good. And that's more important than all this other stuff. Okay. Um, back in my office. Have no door. At least I'm here. I love my office. Um, my Kobe logo mania make it made it safely to my PWCC vault. I want to uh, let you guys know, appreciate all the interest uh, on that. Um, all of the sort of messages and questions and stuff. Uh, the last few episodes where I talked about that were really like, they were, they're pretty strong as far as engagement goes. And um, thank you guys for, for um, the questions and the sort of curiosities around that that for me if if you if you know me if you don't know me that was that was a huge huge decision um and some of the questions in today's mailbag episode are related to that. i think just one just one question from cajun cardboard was um it was about that maybe more i'll look in here in just a second but um i wanted to um i wanted to do a mailbag episode of um, the basketball card podcast um Today, um, I'm excited to be able to do that, and I want to just sort of jump into it real quick. When you when you do a mailbag on, or when you do like a question on Instagram, what happens is the questions largely stay with the post because the post is just um, you you can solicit the questions and then they keep them all together, and that's really good because we've got it's not a huge number, but it's like fifteen, maybe twenty, maybe twenty responses to the question. There were a bunch of people also who, who texted me questions or who DM'd me questions. That's a little bit tougher because I get a bare number of DMs and so they get buried. And, and oftentimes, Instagram actually will not, it, your old messages won't show up unless you search for them. So you can sort of scroll down and they won't even be there. So if I missed your question, please forgive me. Um, but for those of you who, who sort of sent me questions, I appreciate it. Let's jump right in. I'm going to hit as many of these as I can, maybe even all of them. The two that I was able to find that were direct to DMs, I'll save for the end, um, and I'll just go through the ones that directly within the question part of that post first. Okay, okay. first question comes from Gene Cards. 
cards with a Z. Question is, rather hold a BGS 9.5 Kobe 2012 Silver Prism or his 08 Chrome Refractor PSA 10? Both are 3K-ish. I love this question because these are two cards that I that I really like. Um, I own both of them in a different format, um, meaning a different parallel, um, but they're two of the Kobe cards that I like most from his career. The 08 is the one where he's being guarded by LeBron, and the 2012 is his first Prism card. Now, from a perspective of how many of them were made, the Prism is way rarer than the Refractor is. Um, way rarer. There are other rarer parallels than the Refractor that are more plentiful than, than, the, regular, than the regular Refractor card. So without even looking at the population data, I would just suggest that the 2012 is way rarer. But the 2008 is much more sort of iconic as we, stand, as we sit here today. I'm not sure if that will always be the case because I think that the Prism brand has, has that level of importance in the hobby and will continue to. That I personally believe, and I've, I've shown this in how I've sort of collected, I believe that that, that, that will, will grow. I'm a, I'm a rarity wins sort of guy. And so 2012 to me is, is a better card. Um, 2012 is a better is a is a rarer card and a better card. I would have thought that the 2008 was worth more at this point, but maybe that card has dropped so much that they are really that close. That even a PSA 10 of that card is worth in the same vicinity as a 2012 silver. Um, I like the 2012 more. I like, again, I think rarity wins, and I would I, I personally would choose that. As far as value goes, I never know. I never have any idea on value. All right. Shapizi says, where is Tim Duncan on your top 10 rankings? Please don't ignore the GOAT because he's boring. I have been accused of being a Tim Duncan like lover way more than most people. I know you probably, you guys probably don't come here for my basketball knowledge. You probably like don't really care about that, but I'll just answer this real quick. So for me, Jordan's easily the number one player of all time. I currently have Kareem at two. I, the, the next group is really close. The next group is like seven or eight players. I've got Kareem at two, Bill Russell at three, Will Chamberlain at four, and Tim Duncan at five. I've got LeBron at six, which people hate. People hate that because LeBron is the more modern guy who everybody has told us for the longest time is number two. His accounting stats do not lie. From an accounting perspective, he's the greatest player of all time um, when it comes to like when it comes to like points, rebounds, assists. We'll never see somebody else who has those totals ever again. He's been super durable. He's been incredible. But my problem is that I gauge um, a player's greatness largely based on championships that they were able to get organically through, you know, not having to like move around like crazy. And LeBron's championships have all come through through moving around, and so it's hard to it's always hard to rank people against each other. Um, but Duncan at five is so clear to me because you know he was put with a late first round pick in Tony Parker, a late second round pick in Manu Ginobili, a coach who ended up being really really like known as one of the great coaches of all time, but wasn't known as that when he got the coach. And so everybody always says, ah, oh, Tim had so much to work with. He had so much to work with because of him, right? Like Tim Duncan, I think I would make the case that Tim Duncan made Manu, Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker Hall of Famers. He made Greg Popovich the greatest coach of all time. It's not that those guys weren't great, but you need to be with the right people. And Tim Duncan, I think he's the greatest defender of all time. And I think offensively, he's one of the greatest players of all time. You get five championships over that the duration of that long career. And to me, that is actually more impressive 
than what LeBron has done. So I have him number five. That's not popular, but it's what I think. Uh, Q-I-N Cheng. Quin Cheng says, uh, great, great Instagram guy. He says, I like the 0405 exquisite Kobe patch autographed at 50. Is it available? No, I will not be selling that. I will not be selling anything else, I don't think, for the foreseeable future because I paid off the um, the Kobe or I was able to trade, you know, trade into that through selling all that other stuff. So I don't think I'll be selling anything for the foreseeable future. I was only, the only cards that I sold that were like within my top 20 were my Dirk Gold, 24 karat gold, and my uh, KG PMG. And both of those may have been pushed out after a couple of the other cards that I bought. So two cards toward a, sort of the end of the teens for a card that's the Kobe Logo Man. It's probably the second or third best card in my collection. All right. Thoughts. So this is from Eighth Wonder Cards. Thoughts on getting high-end rookies signed. I'll answer this and then we'll go to our first break. Um, okay. Thoughts on getting high-end rookies signed. At this stage, there are a lot more of them than there were even a couple of years ago. And it, the, the, the math for me always is just a simple supply and demand sort of calculation. The demand on these aftermarket autographs has gone up incredibly. So is the supply. And um, what the decision that I made when I was buying the Kobe, Kobe Logo Man was to say, which of these cards do I want to have in the long term? And the answer for me is always, which ones are the rare ones and the, or the, that are the most important ones? I moved my Jerry West, which I've owned for, I think, eight years. I moved my Oscar Robertson, which I've moved, which I've owned for less than a year and that I needed to resend in, or I needed to send in a PSA and get a card grade on it. I definitely didn't make as much money on that as I could have. Um, I sold the um, Julius Irving. I sold the triple 1980 card that was autographed. I sold all that stuff. The only card that I kept, oh, I also sold, sold the Zelmo Beatty, which actually sold really well. Again, a low population card. And that card had a gorgeous autograph. The only one that I kept was my best one, which is my Pete Maravich 1971 PSA 6. It's one of the nicest Maravich autographs in existence. And to me, that was an import, as important as it was that regardless of what it was gonna sell for, I needed to keep it in my collection. That's my long way of saying, because I had to raise cards, I had to make some difficult decisions. And one of the things that I was willing to move was some of those vintage autographs. Um, if you were thinking about getting, you know, a LeBron Topps rookie signed or a Steph Topps rookie signed, I think that's a really cool idea. Especially, I mean, I don't think LeBron will sign the Topps rookie. I think he used to. I don't think he does anymore. The Steph, there's so many of, though. If you're looking at something that's retro... There's so many of them at this point, and PSA charges so much to, to authenticate that to me, the math isn't simple. You've just got to do the math. Go look at what the cards are selling for when they're signed and ask yourself what you want. Maybe you just want to own the card, and if you do, then you should do it. If you sort of are paying attention to the supply and demand situation, though you can't ignore how much supply is going up. Now, maybe the demand will keep up with it. I kind of wonder about that, though. You know, I'm not so sure about it. I'm not positive. And since I'm not positive, for me, it's not something that I'm as sure about today as I was five years ago. But I do think that the cards are amazing. I miss all of those cards that I sold. I loved all of those cards. I didn't want to move any of them. 
and I wouldn't have moved any of them if I didn't have to. So obviously I don't feel that bad about it, right? If I would have been willing to keep it, but since I, oh, I also, sorry, I kept one more. I kept the Hot Rod Hunley 1957 tops. There's only a few of those, and he was the announcer of the jazz growing up. All right, let's go to a break and be back in just a sec. You've probably heard about Alt, but have you registered for their auction yet? Twice a month, Alt features its liquid auctions event, which caters to collectors of all kinds. The platform is super easy to use, connects to your bank in minutes, and provides a super fun bidding experience. What are you waiting for? Register on Alt XYZ today. Talking about Alt, there is a huge liquid auction that is ending Thursday. You're probably listening to this on Thursday. Maybe maybe it's, it's even too late, but Thursday the 12th, huge auction is ending. I did a piece on my Instagram on the flawless championship tag of LeBron that's up. That video has, like, well, at least for me, really like exploded in the number of views. Looking at it right now, it's got almost 50,000 views, guys. The championship tag is something that people haven't thought a lot about. Um, but it's a really cool thing on the jerseys. And that LeBron championship tag is, is a crazy card. That auction is a crazy auction. That's one of their best ones they've done. So make sure that you check that out. And there's a twice as long as normal ad for, for all in this episode. Okay. Um, AJM Cards 1994 says, share a short, uh, short summary how you got in a position to buy the cards you have today. Um, AJM, um, I'm an AJ too. <laughs> um, I have talked about this in a few different places, but the bottom line for me is um, I, I've done it for a long time and really like, like I worked in a card shop for seven years, right? I started flipping in the late 90s. I started collecting in the late 80s. Um, I have loved cards and have collected cards forever. So having the background that I have, I've been able to make deals here and there, make some good decisions. I did a whole episode on this, I don't know how many months ago, where I basically talked about how back in 2010, I, I bought my house and I had to sell my collection. And then at that point I said, okay, I'm going to take my remainder of my collection, which is, which was like a thousand dollars worth of cards. I took that and a thousand bucks worth of cash. And I said, let's see what I can turn this into. And then it, since that point, I've basically been trading up, um, into what I have today. And the, the point that I would say there is like, because I've been able to do that pretty well, I think that has enabled me to, you know, be able to buy some cards. I never would have dreamt that I would get never in a million years would I have dreamt that. I remember being in the card shop that I worked at, there was a guy named Earl who had a case in the shop. We would like rent out cases. And Earl had this case that had like, he had made copies, like really rudimentary copies. They weren't supposed to be viewed as real, but he had copies of PMGs, um, the rubies, um, the credentials. And I looked at those cards of Michael Jordan and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to actually see one of those in you know real life one day? Um, I remember, you know, he had a copy of the 97 game Jersey auto. I don't have that. I wish I did, but like those cards along the way became possibilities because of some of the fortunate and some of the good decisions. Um, I've told the story. I bought only two boxes of cards in that whole, that whole time Two two uh, 2010 totally certified boxes. One of them had a green Kobe autograph in it that I sold for $3,100. 
there was a Dunkin' Go-Nuts Fleer Retro um, buyback autograph of, of Jordan that I bought for like $1,800 and sold for $3,100 at that same time. There was the Anthony Davis buying and selling. I made so much money on Anthony Davis um, and, and on 2012 Flawless. And all of these things along the way, um, and then, you know, since then, a million things, right? Like, we can go through every year and sort of look at what I was working on, what I was doing. Um, there was the eminent stuff. At one point, I traded two cases of cards for a Kobe Bryant, two, two unopened cases of, of eminence basketball for a Kobe Bryant championship tag autograph, which I, would, I wish I would have kept. Um, totally wish I would have kept that card. Um, that would that would be the that would be like that would be the best card in my collection. It's numbered to two. It has it's inscribed you know sixteen x. It's amazing. It's an absolutely incredible card. Um, that one, I so I traded for what ended up being like twenty thousand dollars in in stuff and then like three thousand dollars in cash, plus a card that I still have today, the 04 limited logos, the Wilt Chamberlain autograph that I bought. For thirty-two hundred dollars, I sold for seven grand plus, like twelve grand worth of inventory. Like I just, I had these these things that happened along the way, and each time I would try to invest that, what I gained, you know, wisely in other cards. And that, a lot of that was early on. So, so most of those things happened between twenty ten and twenty fifteen, and then between twenty fifteen and twenty seventeen, I bought most of the good great cards that I have today. And then in 2020, when the whole market was just falling apart right at the very beginning of COVID, I'm not talking about a few weeks into COVID, at the very beginning of COVID, I bought the Steph Gold out of 20, or 2012 Prism and the Kobe Gold out of 2012 Prism. And you know, the cost on both of those was under 20 grand. So, you know, you look back at some of those cards and you go, how did you do that? You know, I got lucky on timing. I did. I got really, really lucky, guys. I'm not saying that I was perfect. But in general, I think, I think... In general, people have this sort of like, I'm gonna buy when the when the when the market's hot and I'm gonna sell when the market's cold. And, and I have like my natural thing at this point is I actually do the opposite. I never buy when the market's hot. Never. I didn't buy anything for like hardly no, I shouldn't say anything. I didn't buy hardly anything at all between 2020, like later in 2020 and early in 2022. It was like a year and a half where I hardly bought anything. My problem is I didn't sell anything either, because um, you know, my goal was never to just like like make as much money as possible. I talked about that with the 2008 gold Kobe. Like I knew when that was 200 grand, that didn't make any sense. I knew it was way too much money. Um, but I didn't sell it because I didn't want to leave somebody sort of holding the bag either. I didn't see any benefit in that. Okay, I took way too long on that question. Um, <laughs> you asked for a short summary and then I did not do that. B Bryant underscore 20, factory sealed wax versus BBCE authenticated wax, non-cases, trusting and investing. So factory sealed wax and BBC authenticated wax, I think about in the same sort of way. Factory sealed these days is sometimes easier, um, but you have to really be an expert on packaging. And I'm not. Um, the, the, the moment for, for unopened, unopened wax that was so bad came, I think it was in 2022, it was the, the Logan Paul um, first edition Pokemon case. And it was a bad moment for BBC, um, uh, BBC as well. So that was, that was a bad moment because you know, if, you, if you 
were living under a rock and you didn't see that, the case was filled with fake Pokemon boxes that had G.I. Joe trading cards in them. That was a really bad moment, but it, I think it also woke people up to say, hey, there's there's a lot of fakes here. If I, I always try to ask the question, if I was a bad guy, would this be like an easy mark? And to me, it seems like it would be a pretty easy mark. Case like they would, and I don't know this, I'm just guessing, but they seem like they would be easier to recreate and to fool um, you know, the authenticators than, than cards. The, the opposite side of the coin is that cases are like, um, unopened cases and unopened boxes are like outstanding shares of stock. They're always decreasing in quantity because people are opening them. If there was a way for me to feel 100% foolproof that a case was what it was stated to be or box was what it was stated to be and that I knew that it wasn't tampered with, and that was 100% guaranteed and I could just tell 100%, then I'd, be, I'd feel a lot more confident. But when I've looked at the outside of cases before, I'm like looking at a label with a brown box, like on a brown box with some tape. I just don't like that. I don't, it doesn't feel good to me. So, and it, they take up a lot more space. Um, you know, if I, if, I just, if I send it to the vault, I think the PWCC vault charges, it's a really good deal. It's like 25 or 30 bucks flat, flat fee. Um, stuff like that it takes up enough room that I, again i think that's a great deal um especially to get the, the the boxes insured but to me like it's just not interesting cards are meant to be enjoyed i don't feel comfortable that it will you know stay the way that it the way that you know i'm not comfortable that it, that it will that these, these things are for sure real so i stay away from them personally but a lot of people have made a lot of money i actually did this once upon a time when Flawless first came out, 2012 Flawless. I bought four cases for me. I bought four cases for a friend. I bought two or three cases for another friend, and we all crushed it. Like, I made, like, 80% in a couple of months. It was awesome. Um, that's different because that's when the product initially comes out. I, I don't mind buying something from a distributor when it first comes out, and then I wouldn't mind buying something from, from a friend who bought something from a distributor when it first came out. But when you get years down the road and it's changed hands a number of times, it just gets dicey to me. So two cents from Adam. MJ's sports cards, my friend says, what factors do you consider in deciding what cards to keep with you and what to vault? He has a follow-up question that I really like too. Um, in general, I just don't want all of my cards in one place. I like the idea of having them in multiple places. I love the PWCC vault. Um, I love being able to have things there and have them, you know, move quickly if I need to. I also just like having them, you know, be insured. Um, the Kobe is a great example because the card's worth so much money that it's just nice to have it insured there. Um, bunch of other stuff that's in the vault as well. Um, but with that said, there's also stuff that you want to get in person. Sometimes you get it in person and send it to the vault. Sometimes the other direction. One percent to have your card sent to you after a period of a couple of months, which isn't too bad. It's not great, but because um, I don't think anybody wants to do that. But if you think there's a chance you might sell it, it's worth sending there. And then cards like, like there's no chance of me selling that Kobe, but it was nice to just know that that was going to a place that I could for sure trust. So that's where that card is. Then MJ Sports Cards asked, "What's your thought process with your Rudy PC after he was traded to the Wolves?" I'll answer this, and then we'll go to a break. He's asking me this because he's a Drew Holiday fan. So the question is, you've got a PC built around a player that you like. 
What do you do with it when that player gets traded to a team you don't like? Really tough. Rudy Gobert is, um, despite what I think people who don't know him think, he's like he's been an elite basketball player for close to a decade. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year, four-time All-NBA. A couple times he was just on the fringes of All-NBA, and a couple times he was almost All-Defensive Player. Again, he he literally could be a six-time All-NBA, six-time Defensive Player of the Year, and people would still think he's terrible. He led the league in plus-minus for several years. Um, he had the highest offensive rating in the NBA for a couple of years. I know that's hard to believe, but like he just doesn't miss shots. Don't mind, don't mind the sound of my kids. Um, kids, be quiet, please. Um, now, now you can hear them even more. I think I'll leave that in just because I have four kids and that's how life goes sometimes. <laughs> all right. So. All right. I had to pause that for a second because my kids got too loud. <laughs> so here I am going on about Rudy Gobert. You don't need to hear that. What you need to know is I love Rudy Gobert. MJ Sports Cards already knows that. And after he moves to another team, it's really a tough thing. For me, what I've sort of done over the course of the last, um, been over years since he's been traded, I, I first moved out the doubles. And then since then, I've moved out a couple of other cards when I've had to raise cash for things. And now at this point, I only have a couple of cards, but they're really like one of one type cards that I would be really sad if I moved. Um, I don't regret it. I don't re regret it collecting him i still am trying to pick up the logo man autograph that is inscribed go jazz from mr b's collectibles um he's higher on that card from a, from a you know what he needs to get for it than what i'm willing to give i've talked about that card before um bottom line is you have to make hard decisions when it comes to really expensive things and when you have cards that you can move to get other things that you really want, it becomes an easier decision. So that's how I thought about it. I'm not sure if that works for you. But I would definitely hold on to the things that are like one of a kind, things that you really love. And if the other stuff you don't feel like you love anymore, then there's nothing wrong with moving it. All right. Um, got a question from InstaCEEJ12. He sent me an image of a Ken Griffey Jr. 89 upper deck with an autograph, and the autograph is graded a 10. Um, the card actually set shows on the flip trading card, and auto is graded a 10. The card is not graded, and he's asking, should I should I send this in again? See, this is the problem with PSA, is that you kind of get one shot to do it right because they charge you so darn much money. Um, this is been my problem and why, why I haven't sent things in immediately in the past. I hate, I just hate paying for grading. I hate it. I've never felt good about paying for value. I don't mind paying for a card to be graded, but when you're paying more because a card's worth more, it just drives me crazy. And then if you haven't sent it in the right way and you need to send it in again, you basically have to pay for it all and it's terrible. So he's asking this question because I did a piece on my Instagram about the Ken Griffey PSA 10 upper deck with a 10 autograph and how much money that's worth. Really what I would recommend doing here is just a math, a math problem. Ask yourself, what do I think this card is going to grade? I mean, if the card is a 10, 
you really have to send it in again. Because a 10, 10 is a five figure card and a card that's not graded with a 10 autograph is a few hundred bucks. So to me, that's really a no brainer. Um, even if PSA charges you a ton of money to grade the card, you're still going to net out way higher by doing that. It's always a math problem. On the other side, if it grades a seven or an eight or a nine, you know, is it a more difficult decision? It probably is. So, you know, you've got to you've got to grade the card out first. But this card, the autograph is graded, not the card. You know, your autograph is a ten, and that's great. But the card's got to be graded too. All right, NOL sports cards asks. Um, oh, I forgot my break. I'll do this, and then I'll go to the last break. Yes, for long-term holding, would you rather have Jokic or Giannis? Man, that's a good question. I really love both of them. The, the answer to that question to me has more to do with the other guys that are around them. Tell me whether MPJ uh, or Jamal Murray are going to stay, stay healthy. Are they both going to stay healthy? If so, I'm going to probably take Jokic. Um, with Giannis, you know, his key secondary player at this point is definitely Dame, and they still have Middleton. But are those two guys going to stay healthy? Brooks getting older, so if those two two guys are going to stay healthy, and you know you just assume that everybody's going to stay healthy for a long time, then it's a really difficult decision. But they're they're virtually the same age; they're within like ten weeks of each other. So, I mean, it's really about like how how healthy you think they'll stay and how healthy their teammates will stay. The Nuggets make me nervous because Jamal Murray and and Michael Porter Jr. don't have the greatest health histories and if if one of those two guys isn't healthy i don't see them getting out of the western conference do you grade your cards grading can preserve protect and beautify your cards well maybe not all grading companies beautify the cards they grade but cgc sure does cgc slabs are so much nicer than the other big three that i send all of my pc cards to them for slabbing not only do they make the cards look amazing but they are ultra durable I used to think that a slab could only be super clear or super strong, but then CGC showed up. Check them out at cgccards.com today. Grateful for our newest sponsor, CGC. Um, I just got a whole bunch of cards back from them that I'm going to slowly show off on my on my Instagram. Um, Shaq Card Collector Torsten says, how do you feel about ESPN degrading your man Gobert from 18 to 64 this year. He, I think, had some injuries last year, which is not like him. He's been super durable. And the problem with Gobert is that it's going to take, it took Minnesota a while to figure out how to use him. Um, the thing that he and the, the Timberwolves are not getting enough credit is they actually, I think, gave the Nuggets the toughest time. Um, I know Phoenix won two, two games in their series, but the other four weren't really close. Minnesota played Denver really tight. Um, outside of the first game where they got blown out after basically playing three straight game sevens, um, Minnesota played Denver really tight. And part of that is that Jokic, like Gobert can sort of deal with Jokic one-on-one. -on -one. He can deal with Jokic one-on-one -on -one better than anybody else can. He gives Jokic a hard time. I'm not saying he does a great job. Jokic is still going to score 40 or 50 points if you, if you just put Gobert on him. But it takes away the passing lanes when you don't send a second um, player. And so... Watch out for Minnesota this year. If if Edwards has the season that I think we think he can, and the other guys sort of put it together, uh, there's no reason to think that Minnesota couldn't be a top four team this year. Um, 
he needs to get back into like sort of super positive plus minus territory. That's what that's what's been so great about him in the past. But they didn't use him well last year. They used him a lot better after Conley got there, though. D'Angelo Russell has been really a cancer in a lot of places, and he was in Minnesota again last year. MP Basketball Card says, how has your collecting evolved over the years? It's changing all the time. I'm always asking myself, what do I, what do I like? And that is always changing. Um, but you need to collect what you like. And for me, that's always changing. Cajun Cardboard asked this question. You want your consolidated cards back, don't you? Sincerely, the anti-cons, uh, the anti-consolidation team. So I, in my, in my episodes, didn't use the word consolidation once because in general, I don't want to come across as pro-consolidation. I don't like the idea. But let me let me make this part clear. I do not like the idea of collecting smaller cards for the purpose of someday selling their, them for bigger cards. To me, the collecting of the small cards is in and of itself the process. The cards aren't small that I sold for that Kobe, right? There's some really, really big cards in that process. Um, I didn't intend on selling any of those until I was faced with the decision, would I rather have all of these or would I, would I rather have that one other card? When that moment comes for you, you have a hard decision to make. But to me, that is different than just buying cards that you hope will then go up that then you consolidate later on. I do miss the cards. I didn't want to sell them. Do I regret the decision? I don't regret the decision at all. I think it was the right decision. Um, I feel really, really comfortable with it. Uh, some of them will increase in value, some of them will decrease. I don't really care. I wanted the card that sort of fit my collection the best, and that was that Kobe card, and I'm super happy about it. Shapizi comes back with, who are your top three big threes of all time and your personal favorite? Two of them are within the Celtics, right? The 80s uh, big three of Parrish, McHale, and Bird. Um, and then later with KG, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. Um, and then the third one has got to be the Heatles, the Miami Heat big three. My favorite big three because it was put together in an organic way. It was the second Boston one. Um in an era where players just leave to go from team to team, Boston acquired Ray Allen and uh, Kevin Garnett through trades. And I always love that. I think free agency really like creates some unfair sort of advantages to some franchises. What Boston did in that situation is really something to be commended. Shapizzi also asked, what do you feel is the most undervalued NBA player in the hobby? One past and one present. Well... I'm a jazz fan, but I don't want to go with those things because the jazz, because then it's just a total homer pick. Hakeem Olajuwon is either top 10 or just outside the top 10, but he's treated, you know, like not as well as like a guy like Charles Barkley, who to me was like late 20s. Um, I think it's insane that some people have Barkley ahead of Malone, by the way. I've seen that a couple times recently. That is insane. Carl Malone's peak was just as good as Chuck's, and his longevity was like twice as good, right? He scored he scored over 10,000 points more than Chuck. There, I turned that into a jazz conversation, even when I didn't mean to. Um, so, Elijah one's one of the best players of all time. Duncan's one of the best players of all time. Basically, big guys in general. Man, Jokic could be one of the best players of all time, and people don't act like it. So that's probably my modern, my modern pick. Embiid, too, just a lot of the big guys. Kyle Collects, are you watching the WNBA Finals tonight? I am not. I am recording this podcast instead. <laughs> uh, my friend Black Griffin Cards is. I promise you that. Uh, and 
think it's awesome that that the game is so good right now. I should be watching it, but there's just so much stuff to do. All right, last two questions. Um, Insta C E J. I already I already did that one. C B C or sorry K B K G. Uh, B8. It's probably Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, B8. At what point do categories for sports cards change between what is currently considered vintage and modern, ultra modern? As in, will the 90s be considered modern in 2040? Was it a card show in 2018 when some kids came up to a table and we had 90s cards on the counter? There's, this is sort of a famous moment in, in national history. <laughs> And, and the car, the kid said, sorry, I don't collect vintage to my friend Rodman Martinez. And we all looked at each other and laughed because four years ago, five years ago, we were thinking about nineties being not vintage and kids were talking about it being vintage. Here's the reality. Cars from 1997 were 26 years old, soon to be 27 years old. That is not the same as ultra modern. These things are always changing. A lot of people already think about those cards as um, you know, not modern. I don't collect ultra modern cards. Why? Because there's nothing out there that I look at and I go, I've got to own that. The, um, the spotlight signatures out of Noir starting in like 2014 definitely got my, got, you know, caught my eye. The Gala Rookies, when they were coming out, those caught my eye. The first uh, issue of Eminence caught my eye. Those are the most recent things that I've collected. I've sold all... I still have one Spotlight Signature, and I still have a lot of my Eminence stuff. I still have one Gala card um, from 2014. Other than that stuff, most of my... I guess there's a couple of other Kobe's right at the end of his, right at the end of his career that I have. Most of the stuff that I have isn't even what I would consider ultra-modern. The big-time rookies of today, there's just so many of them that for me it's not interesting. Um, but maybe at some point, you know, maybe at some point they will be. Um, when I think about, you know, when I think about, like, what classifies is, is, is vintage, though, it's, this is how we have it separated in the magazine. We have, we have ultra, we have, um, excuse me, we have modern, we have vintage and we have we have what what is it called it's called pre pre-modern i was gonna say post vintage for a second modern pre-modern and vintage and modern starts in like 2009 or 2010 that area of like everything that's been panini since then um i think we also lump in the the end of the beginning of steph's rookie year which is just before panini um we then have the era that's before that, back into 1993. That's the era of the chromium cards through to, you know, just before Steph. That whole area is pre-modern. Um, that includes the whole 90s group, right? And then before that, you've got vintage. You could definitely do a fourth group in here. You could classify it any way you want, but that's how I think about it. All right, guys, we went way longer than I planned. Those are some awesome questions. I need to do more of these mailbags. I'm sorry that I missed last week. Um, if you're if you've uh, if you're not watching, you know, getting ready for the basketball season, we're getting close. We've got preseason games on. Lots of fun. Um, as always, there's a ton of stuff going on in the hobby. 
Uh, check out my Instagram if you, you know, at the real 27 guy, if you are looking for any interesting content um, and keep your eyes open for other big things that we have going on for Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine. Until next time, happy collecting. Thanks for listening to the Basketball Card Podcast. Reminder to subscribe to Basketball Card Fanatic Magazine at bcfmag.com. Remember to use discount code BASKETBALL10 for 10% off any item in the store. That's bcfmag.com.